The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662 296 0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett and David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Gerdat, Spirit Ben on Twitter. David Johnson, the typical co-host of this podcast, is still out sick. Talked to him on Monday. He sounded awful, and yet that somehow was an improvement over last week. But David is not here. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Jacob Peeler, Ole Miss wide receivers coach. But sitting in for David, he's Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip on Twitter. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. What was the weekend like for you? Uh, pretty quiet, actually. Just, um, you know, got some stuff done, watched some football. Um, you know, one of those quiet weekends that you need every now and then. My Sunday was terrible. Everyone knows why. I yes, was indeed. recovering from a terrible, 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 terrible loss for the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. But Ole Miss on Sunday, riding pretty high. And word came on Monday that the wild fun ride that they're on right now got even better. They're in the AP Top 25 at number 18. First time they've been in the AP Top 25 since 2013, February 4th, 2013 to be exact. They've won 10 straight games for the first time since 2007-08. They're 13-2 overall, 3-0 in the SEC. If I had said Bennett before the year, they're going to be 13-2 after 15 games. 
three zero in the SEC with back to back wins over top fifteen teams. You would have said, yeah, man, I think that would have been crazy. Just just because not not really the uh, I thought they were going to rack up wins in the non conference um, just because the schedule wasn't that tough. But um, I don't think anyone saw three zero to start conference play coming. Um, you know, Vanderbilt's not what they were what not what they were earlier in the year, but that's still a good win. And then obviously Auburn at home, um, go on the road and beat state. I mean, those are two really really wins that are going all season long. So um I, I think even the most optimistic person in the world said after Vanderbilt, you know, maybe you get a split of the next two and you're sitting pretty. I don't I don't really think anyone saw um, two and zero coming, but they've done it, and and now they're in a position to really um, solidify themselves um, as a real you know NCAA contender uh, here in the next week or two. Ken Palm has them projected to go twenty three and eight, twelve mm-hmm. and six in the SEC, favored in every of their last sixteen games outside of three at Florida, home against Tennessee and at Auburn, and that sounds about right. Which before the year would have been preposterous, and it brought me back as we were jumping on this podcast and knowing we we're going to talk about basketball to when Kermit was hired. How did they get to this point to where they're this competitive and this good in year one? I was as quick as anyone to say, Hey, pump the brakes. I know you're excited about Kermit, but these are the issues. And yet even with a seven man bench, a seven man rotation to where when Brian Tyree goes down a minute into Mississippi state and then KJ Buffin, who replaces him immediately gets two fouls called against him. And they have to go to Zach Naylor, Luis Rodriguez, D.C. Davis for 11 minutes. They still won. They were down 10 in the first half. They still won. They're overcoming all the problems that they have with the roster. Now, it's very early. There's a lot of basketball left to be played, over half the season left to be played. But if you watch Ole Miss in any game, and then a couple of weeks later you watch them again, they play the exact same game every single night. Only in one against Cincinnati, the ball wasn't going in for the two of their biggest guys, TD and Brian. Devontae scored, but for the other two, just wasn't working. Those those guys have to be efficient. And obviously, if there's a big injury, Devontae, Brian, TD, any of those three goes down, probably going to be hard to overcome. But they play the same game every single night, and when you're forcing teams to adjust to you and play to your style – and you're dictating timing and pace and all that kind of stuff, you're going to win a lot of games. That's the formula. And it's working for them. And I think it's kind of cliche to say, but the confidence now is at a place to where they expect to win games. And I think yeah. last year that was kind of lost, especially after Brian's shot at Texas A&M rims out. They had no expectation of winning anymore. I think this team expects to win, and there's something dangerous about that. Yeah, well, it's that, and, and I think – you know, if you're looking for, you know, we all, we all, you know, say, well, there's a lot of basketball to be played and there absolutely is. But I think at the same time, if you're looking for a positive, you know, they're three and zero in the league with two, you know, top, you know, 15, 20 wins. Um, and they haven't had a conference game where all three of their guards have all played well at the same time. That's true. You know, yeah. Vanderbilt, you know, Vanderbilt that, you know, TD didn't show up against Vandy. They still won the game. Um, you know, Auburn, um, Brian had a rough game, still, still gave him some stuff in terms of assists and rebounds. Um, but that was Terrence and Devante and, and KJ Buffin. And, and then, you know, Saturday, Mississippi state, 
Um, you know, they had, you know, Brian got hurt early, still played really well. Um, you know, Terrence had 12 points. Devante had 10 points. Both of those guys played pretty well. Um, but I, I think there's still a version of Ole Miss where, you know, Brian and, and Terrence are putting up big numbers in terms of points. Devante is doing what he does. Um, and we still haven't seen that. So, um, yeah, there's still, you know, a long ways to go, but there's still um, a, a level that Ole Miss hadn't gotten to yet, which I think is kind of interesting and kind of fascinating as they go forward. Um, they're going to need it. You've got some tough games coming up, you know, including the one on Tuesday against LSU. So um, I, it's, uh, it's it's been really fun to watch, and, and they've gone about it the, the same formula, but you've got different guys stepping up every time, which is obviously um, pretty fun to see. I think the thing that's impressed me the most with this start is when you look down the schedule, they've allowed themselves such a large margin of error over the next month to where, okay, LSU is a good basketball team. They've won five straight. They're 2-0 and in the SEC. If you lose Tuesday night, it doesn't kill you. Had you started 1-2, and two, it goes without saying, Tuesday night becomes somewhat of a must-win game. And yet, Ole Miss is 3-0 and to where this league is strong, especially on the top end. And even the bottom end, like a South Carolina, because Frank Martin's a hell of a coach, undefeated in the league right now, starting the league schedule last in the SEC. Right. It's going to be tough every single night. Ole Miss is going to lose its share of games. But now you can afford to lose to an LSU, and that be okay. It's not a killer for your resume. Ole Miss is in the position now, and it's such a foreign place for Ole Miss to be. It's in the NCAA tournament comfortably. Now it's simply a matter of can you sustain it? And I think that at some point you have to accept that this is who Ole Miss is. They, They are a sustainable team as long as they stay healthy because they have no depth. But they're a sustainable team. The way they play, the games in which they've won, how they've won, it's a sustainable team. To talk about yeah, consistency and stuff, get it out of here, as long as they stay healthy. But the margin for error, that that's an important thing, especially when you get towards the uh, doldrums of the basketball season, late January, early February. Well, it just changes your perspective. Like, you look at Tuesday night, um, you know, or going into that game, you know, if they were one and two or two and one, um, it, you would look at it as okay, this is a big game because we need a signature win to put on the top of the resume. LSU's a top twenty-five team in the net, um, you know, so this is th- that would be one. Hey, we got to get this one to put it on the resume. Well, almost already has you know three quadrant one wins right now. Um, you know, already have two, you know, big time scalps in Auburn and Mississippi State. So, you know, it's definitely a big game because, you know, you add, you just want to keep adding to that resume, you know, as many quadrant one wins as you can get. LSU is going to be one all season long. Um, but it, it's just, you don't have to have it now. You know, it's not going to be, um, it's not a free shot. It, it's one of those where you're favored. And, and you know, now it's just, um, yeah, we, we'd really like to have it. It's a big game. But if you lose it, it's okay. The resume is still good. You come back Saturday and you win. You know, you got to go one and one this week. Um, you know, obviously beating LSU will buy you some breathing room down the road if you have a slip up somewhere. But um, it just changes the perspective on the game a little bit from a you know big time free shot to one where Ole Miss is favored and and now you're just cu- trying to pad the resume. You know, keep adding wins, keep the momentum going, and um, you know you do that this week. You come out of this two and zero somehow. And at that point, you're just really off the races and you're, you're really, um, you know, kind of locked in um, to your track and to heading into an NSA tournament team. 
The podcast brought to you by El Agave Mexican Grill. What better way to ring in the new year than with the best Tex-Mex in town? And if you live in Oxford or New Albany, your stop is El Agave Mexican Grill for the best food, drinks, and atmosphere. At El Agave, there's top-shelf Mexican food in a cantina at both locations. And with a warm and inviting atmosphere, you and your family can make yourself at home. It's the best Mexican food around that starts with high-quality ingredients and careful preparation. The kitchen gets busy early every morning because El Agave starts from scratch every day, making fresh salsa, boiling chilies for their homemade red and green chili dishes, slow cooking their lean cuts of beef and pork, and then pouring the broth off into their homemade sauces. There's nothing like having a full house of folks over for a great Mexican fiesta, so come over to El Agave in Oxford and or New Albany, 2305 West Jackson Avenue in Oxford, 650 Park Plaza in New Albany. You won't find better Mexican food or margaritas anywhere else. Try the street tacos. That's my favorite. Stay for the food and the experience. El Agave Mexican Grill. No Ole Miss basketball coach in history has ever won his first three SEC games until Kermit Davis. That's an impressive thing. That's no small thing. I think it gets lost somewhat because you look at the numbers for Brian Tyree or Terrence Davis goes absolutely off against Auburn. The MVP of this team is Devontae Shuler. And we can speak about how he gets them in and out of their offensive sets, doesn't turn the ball over, but the greatest value he provides, and it's been on display these first three games, he is one of the greatest, strongest, most elite on-ball defenders in college basketball. What he did to Lamar Peters what he did to Jared Harper, and now he's got another tough test in Tremont Waters for LSU. But what a weapon that is. And I think the master stroke for Kermit Davis, what allowed this team to open up, the pieces fall into place, and they become so competitive, outside of obviously buying in and all that, is Devontae Shuler at point guard, Brian Tyree off the ball. If AK had gotten one more year, Brian would have been his point guard. That's just the style of play he had. He saw Brian as Chris Warren. Brian would have taken 22 shots a game. Devontae's point guard, the offensive value is obvious. Don't even have to say it. He gets them in and out of sets. He's more than happy to defer to Terrence Davis and Brian Tyree. Isn't afraid to take his shots, but he takes smart shots. The greatest value is when you have all these really good lead guards in the SEC, you got the best on-ball defender in the league going against them. And it, it masks... The issues, for example, of a Bruce Stevens who can't guard anything or anyone. If he's in the game, well, Devontae's going to have his man. So maybe that eliminates those cutting lanes and things like that. I think that's that value right there gets somewhat lost, but I think it's one of the most important keys to Ole Miss being good. Well, it's that, and I think another thing that is kind of underrated in terms of his value to Ole Miss is he's just out there all the time. He plays almost the entire game yeah, MVP you, minutes. Yeah. yeah. You look at his game log. I mean, 37 against Butler, 38 against Baylor, uh, 37 against Vanderbilt, 35 against Auburn, 36 against Mississippi state. Um, you know, you know, on a team that doesn't have a ton of depth, you know, they've got a, bu- they've got those three really good guards, but behind them, there's not much at all. Um, so the fact that Devonte can play, play effectively, and not get into foul trouble. He hasn't had more than two fouls in the game since the first game of the season. Um, the fact that he can be out there, um, you know, availability is absolutely a talent and a, and a value. Defending and without fouling is such an important thing. Absolutely. I mean, especially when you're, you know, it's one thing if you're, in, you know, um, you know, the third or fourth defender on a team and you're not getting challenged. Um, when you're the primary defender and you're going against the, the best guy that they've got, 
and you're going against guards who like to get to the basket, get to the foul line, and they're still not fouling. I mean, that says a lot about your defensive ability and, and just says a lot about, um, you know, I think we forget, you know, he, you know, he played in a bunch of games last year, but he didn't have a ton of minutes. You know, he's still relatively new to playing big time college basketball and, and to be as good as he's been um, in, in terms of basketball awareness and basketball IQ and, and kind of running this offense um, for, for Kermit, it's been really impressive. Um, you sometimes you, you expect a, a big transition period. And they've just kind of thrown him out there, and he's been good from the get-go. So it, it's been really impressive to watch. Devontae, in my opinion, the most irreplaceable player on this roster. And I say that for a very simple reason. There's no one behind him. Yeah, Brian could slide over to point guard, but he's better as a two-guard. He's better off the ball and running away and, and running offensive plays for him to where he gets open and he can shoot off the wing, off the elbow. It doesn't matter dribble drive anything you want to to have that facilitator in Devontae to open up TD and Brian it's so important if Brian went down as he almost did against Mississippi State before quite frankly valiantly coming back and playing through a shoulder injury hit the first couple of possessions I watched him the whole time he was wincing the whole time he closed out on Lamar Peters it didn't work he made it three but the look on his face he was in pain he gutted it out, had a tremendous second half, hit the game-winning layup against Mississippi State. Also, the game-sealing free throws to win the game. Brian goes down. TD can, in effect, play that role. And K.J. Buffin steps into the starting lineup, adds some rebounding. You lose a little bit of scoring, but TD can effectively play that role. There is nobody who can do what Devontae does on the ball defending, getting the team in and out of its offensive sets, and not turning the ball over. There's nobody on the roster like that. Franco Miller, when they signed him, was expected to, at worst, back him up. He's gone. He's out for the year. He hadn't played, hadn't practiced in months. That knee injury he arrived at Ole Miss with in July never got better. Had surgery, just kind of re-injured it before uh, the Middle Tennessee State game and pregame warm-ups. There's nobody who can step in for Devontae Shuler. And that's why it's remarkable to watch what he's done in the minutes he's played considering you, you'd want to wrap him up in bubble wrap and just get to the end of the year. <laughs> He's that important for what you do. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think the tough thing um, is that when you don't have a, a lot of depth and you look at Ole Miss, um, really any of those three guys go down. Yeah, you can make yeah. it work. And, and Devontae yeah. is obviously the one that's hardest to replace. But, you know, if Terrence goes down or Brian goes down. They're not recovering. You, well, it's just, you know, it hurts you in different ways. You know, Devontae goes down. Obviously, you're down a primary defender. You're down um, an initiator of the offense. You know, Terrence Abrian goes down. Um, you know, you're down a big-time score. And then, you're, you know, you're asking Devontae to put in more of a load offensively. You're asking more from Blake Henson, from K.J. Buffin. You know, so it just has ripple effects. But, th- you know, thus far, um, outside of the scare on Saturday, Ole Miss has stayed pretty healthy. They need to stay that way. Um, but you know, as long as you got them out there, um, this team is going to be really good when they have all three of those guys out there and you can put Blake Henson and KJ Buffin and Dom and Bruce in secondary roles, just allow them to do what they do and allow those three guards to really take all the focus and, and, and really, um, set the team up for success. So it's, um, it, it's a pretty good formula and obviously working pretty well so far. You look at the SEC. Where does Ole Miss rank in the SEC pecking order, according to you? And thinking about where these teams are going to end up at the end of the year. Do you buy Ken Palm's 23-8? and 
I think that's pretty realistic. I mean, I think 12 and six is, is absolutely on the table. Cause I mean, you know, let, let's say they go two and oh this week. Let's say they beat LSU and they beat Arkansas. Um, there's still, there's, there's still plenty of of winnable games on the schedule. You know, you you get Texas A&M, you get Georgia twice, you get Missouri twice. Um, South Carolina is not going to be, um, an easy game, but that's a winnable game for Ole Miss. You know, those add up pretty quickly. So uh, I, I think 12 and six is absolutely very, very realistic. Um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe even one more higher depending on, you know, if they can steal one on the road somewhere. So I, I think that's pretty realistic. And then if you're looking at conference pecking order, I mean, I think Tennessee has to be at the top. Um, they're clearly, the, clearly the clearly. class of the league. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a, that if you want to look at what a national title contender looks like, that is what a national title team looks like. Um, but I think after that, you know, any of that order with, you know, miss, with, with Ole Miss, um, with Auburn, um, you know, I, I think you can get into that, but I think, you know, Ole Miss clearly in the top three, top four, um, and, and probably second right now, you know, they've got the second best resume in the league. Um, so I think that's kind of where they're at, but you know, everybody's kind of falling into place behind Tennessee and, and I think Ole Miss is right up there behind them. If Ole Miss continues to do this, that February 27th game at home against Tennessee is going to be an insane environment. The greatest oh, environment, gonna... yeah, that the Pavilion has ever seen. Better than than Auburn, which I think was a glimpse of what the regular atmosphere could be for a contending team every single year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because I mean, there's a decent chance that Tennessee comes into that game undefeated in conference play. You know, you, you look at their schedule coming up. It, it's not incredibly daunting. You know, they, they've got Arkansas, Alabama. Um, they've, they've got Vandy. They got South Carolina. They get A&M, Missouri. Um, they get Florida again, South Carolina again. They, they play on the road at Kentucky the week before they come or, you know, two weeks before they come to Ole Miss. Um, but outside of that, I mean, there's a pretty decent chance Tennessee is coming in, you know, 13, 12 and 0 in the league, something like that. Um, it, it will be a massive, massive game. They'll be a top five team, obviously. Um, and, and that'll be, it'll, it'll be a free shot. Absolutely. But if Ole Miss continues to do what it's done, it'll also be a, a pretty competitive and closely contested game. That's not going to be, you know, I think before the season, I think if you would have said, okay, what do you think is going to happen? Tennessee Ole Miss, we would have said, oh man, like Tennessee's going to be a, you know, 11 point favorite. They're going to come in and, and, you know, you just destroy them. But I think now, um, yeah, I think Tennessee's the better team, but that's going to be a ball game. It's going to be a fun atmosphere and a fun environment on a Wednesday night in Oxford. So um, it's funny how that changes pretty quickly, but you're right. If it gets to that point, that's going to be um, one of the bigger games in, in recent memory for sure. This next six-game stretch is sneaky tough as hell. LSU, good basketball team, Arkansas competitive, at Alabama, Alabama can beat anybody. Iowa State was re- recently ranked. They've had some tough times here recently. At Florida, they pushed Tennessee to the limit. Mississippi State at home. That's tough. Yeah, it's it's a tough stretch for sure. But, I mean, that's this league. I mean, that's just the way it is. You know, they've got an easier stretch coming after that. But, you know, I, I think you look at this week, um, you want to go one and one at the very least. I, I think two and no is, is definitely possible. Um, if you get out of this three and three, I think you've done well. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I would say it looks much more winnable now than it did two weeks ago. Um, Florida looks much more winnable now than it did two weeks ago. Um, Mike White team, Mike White's team plays pretty good defense, but they're having a hard time scoring. Um, you know, Alabama on the road, that's going to be a tough game, but Alabama's had some struggles early. 
Um, you know, Mississippi State, obviously, we just saw that game. Um, they're going to bring it you know, when they come to Oxford. But I, I think we see Ole Miss matches up pretty well with that team and, and can, can handle their, their guards and their big men. So um, I, I think three and three, obviously, would be kind of the goal. If you get that, you're feeling pretty good. Anything above that. And again, you're just you're really setting yourself up to, to be a big seed, um, to make some noise, not only in the SEC tournament, but setting yourself up to be a, a big time seed, a high seed in the tournament. It can't be forgotten. Mississippi State is a better team at home than they are on the road. They averaged going into that game 84 points at home, 74 on the road. Almost holds them to 77. Now, some of that was Mississippi State and poor shot selection, but again, you have to give the credit there to Ole Miss as well. Ole Miss that, is a team know, they, that travels. Is that, I mean, and, and you watch State lose their composure at home with their crowd in front of them. What are they going to do when it's absolutely bananas in Oxford? If you can't have, if you can't hold your composure, if you're trying to fight people the entire game at home, what are you going to do when you're on the road? So I, I think that bodes well for Ole Miss too. You know, you have a mental edge over that team. It's very clear that Ole Miss was in their heads from the get go, um, and that was in Startville. So you flip it around, you come to Oxford. I think it's going to be a very tough game, a very competitive game. But I think if you're Ole Miss, you know. Back to your mind, you know, when things get kind of crazy, they might not be um, able to handle their emotions as they struggle to do on Saturday. Where does this end up if you had to project it? Does Ole Miss sustain it? I, I, think I, I don't so. think that they're going to have a major injury. You can't predict that. So whatever. Leave, leave that out of it. Where does this right. end up? Right. I mean, assuming, assuming health, I mean, I think, you know, I think this is a 12 and six basketball team. I mean, this is a team that. It's going to finish in the top, you know, top half of the league. And they're going to be a top 25 team, I think. Um, you know, I just um, – the formula they have works, and it's not perfect. You know, you've got some issues um, down low, but Dom's been much better defensively, giving you a little bit on the offense. Um, Bruce did just enough offensively in terms of stretching the floor. Um, you know, if you watch the video after the game on Gave Saturday, it all back defensively, but whatever. Gives it all back all the time, but – if you watch the video afterward, after the game on Saturday, you know, both Brian Tyree and Kermit Davis talked about um, what Bruce hitting a couple shots did for spacing and, and just creating a little bit of space, space for them offensively. Mississippi State has those two really good defensive big men in Adu and Eric Holman. Yeah, that, that um, last play, the game-winning layup, Bree acknowledged that because Bruce hit two threes, his defender, when he sets right. him up, and, he's looking and, back for a screener, so he attacks the lane and goes in for a wide open layup. That doesn't exactly. happen if Bruce doesn't hit some threes. Exactly. So you know that's why you know you know we both you know I was talking to you on Saturday during the game. We both were kind of wondering why Bruce was playing as much as he was, but I, I think we saw why when he hit those shots. Ole Miss needs a little bit of spacing um, against the against teams like that that have really good post defenders um, to do what they want to do offensively. So. You know, I, I think the formula is pretty good. Um, again, you know, they're not super deep. They're, you know, they're going to have some issues as the season goes on. You know, you worry about your freshman hitting walls. You worry about Devonte hitting the wall because he's playing a lot of minutes and didn't play a lot of minutes last year. But, you know, I think we've seen this is not a fluke. You, you don't fluke your way into 3-0 in the league um, with wins over Auburn and Mississippi State. Those are two really, really good teams. Um, so I, I think this is real. Um, you know, they're obviously going to lose some games at some point not going to run the table or anything but you know if you're wondering whether this is kind of a mirage or anything no this is this is legit this is a a real thing they're they're here to stay 
they've played the same game for 15 games. But I will say Bruce providing some spacing, that's why this spring recruiting class is so important. Kadeem Sai is the perfect Kermit Davis five. He can stretch to three. He's crazy athletic, good rebounder, would come in right now and average double-digit points. He would be such a perfect fit beside if Dom came back beside Dom at the four. Yeah, if Dom doesn't come lot. back, he's a great Kermit Davis five, almost the perfect Kermit Davis five because of spacing. Spacing matters. Yeah, I think they've got a lot of options there in what they want to do. Um, obviously, we'll see what Dom does. I know he's got some options. I, I know, you know, whatever, they'll figure that out. Um, but even if he doesn't come back, you know, Kermit has, has typically, and maybe that's that'll change now that he's in the SEC teams are bigger or whatever. Um, but in the past, you know, he hasn't had super, super big five, you know, they, they've been kind of more in the six, nine, you know, kind of mobile athletic role. So you, you, you haven't had the the seven footer like Dom typically in the past. Um, so we'll see what he wants to do there, but I think there's a lot of opportunity, whether it's a Juco like Kadeem Sai, who's at Virginia tech, or if you go, um, you hit the grad transfer market, try to find a grad transfer, big man, um, and then you got some freshman big men coming in that can give you some minutes there. And you might be a little undersized, but you could be super athletic with, you know, a Sammy Hunter and a Blake Henson and, and mixing and matching down there, down low. So there's a lot of different ways they can kind of build it. Um, obviously, we'll see what they want to do. It's more about, you know, you know what Dom gives you. Um, and now it's now it would be about can you improve upon that? Can you find someone else that could, you know, make it worthwhile? to let him go and, and play, play overseas and do what he wants to do and, and, you know, improve, or is it worth to keep him around um, knowing what he does and does well, and then find someone else to kind of fit to, to match with him um, match, you know, his weaknesses with their strengths or whatever. So a lot of options there. It's going to be kind of a fascinating spring recruiting market for them, not only what they do with the five, but just, you know, how they kind of manage roster spots, you know, they've got, um, you know, there could be a couple, there could be a lot. It's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do back into the roster. I know for a fact they 100% want to keep Dom, desperately want to keep Dom, which is a departure from in the preseason when there was a right. question about whether or not this was Dom's last year. Now, for those of you who might be rolling your eyes thinking, where the hell is Dom going to go? I promise you it's real. Dom is going to have some options. Now, when I say go pro for Dom, I'm not talking about the NBA but he's going to have a lot of European options. It's going to be on Dom to decide whether or not he wants to pursue that or stay for one more year and get some more refinement right. under Kermit Davis. They want to keep him, though. It's obvious where the roster spots could come. I, I don't sure. want to name the names, but, I mean, look, we're we're we're, we're, we're grown-ups. We can talk about this. Zach Naylor, Brian Hallams. I mean, those are two guys that were JUCO signees that have to start performing because if they don't, these are year-to-year scholarships. You're recruited – and signed to be replaced potentially just as coaches are hired to be fired. I mean, look, if you're not producing, they're going to go replace you. And Ole Miss is going to have so many options. Like, they're going to make room for Kadeem Sai. And what if Jamin Brakefield does reclassify from 2020 to 2019 and enters this spring signing period? They're going to sign both of those guys come hell or high water, but they don't have an open scholarship right now. Numbers, they work themselves out all the time. But you're right, this spring – it's going to be fascinating to watch how they supplement the roster. Just the way basketball yeah, goes. It's, the way you know, it goes. It's, it's, it's why, you know, people, you know, people didn't like the roster churn year to year that Andy had. And, you know, some of it was definitely on the, on the margins of the extreme. You don't want to have it every year, but at the same time, you look around college basketball, that's just kind of how it is. You know, if you're not helping the team, if you're not playing, if you're not contributing, 
they're going to move you out and find someone else. That, and it benefits that can both sides. It benefits both sides. Absolutely. I mean, look, go, look, at go down. I mean, look at Cullen Neal. Look at Three hundred and fifty D one schools. You know, just because you don't work out at Ole Miss doesn't mean you can't play basketball somewhere else. Someone else is going to take you. Um, it, it, you know, you're always going to find a good landing spot for kids. So um, it, it's just the way it is. And, and you, know, I think it amps up a little bit for Ole Miss because. You know, if this season had kind of gone how we thought it was before the season and they were um, clearly rebuilding and, you know, on the way up, you know, positive, all that kind of stuff, but they weren't doing anything close to what they are doing. I don't think you have the pressure to really turn the roster as much um, to try and gain immediate help. But unless you're Zach Naylor or Brian Helms, because you were recruited to absolutely expedite the the rebuilding process. Sure. Yeah, you're not doing nothing. Right. But I think, you know, if Ole Miss was, you know, kind of struggling along and just say, all right, it's going to be a slow kind of patient rebuild. Ole Miss wouldn't be, you know, searching that heavy to turn the back end of the roster. But with how good they've been, knowing that they can contend now, can really get in there now. Yeah. Any any kind of help you can get, any kind of upgrade on the back end of the roster that you can find going to be worth it. You know, because, you know, you're showing this year you're ready to go and run now. It's, this is not um, this is not a four year rebuild. Like, you know, Mississippi State took, you know, this is year four of Ben Howland or year three, whatever it is. Um, you know, oh, that, it's year that, four. Yeah, that, that rebuild is taking a long time. This is not that rebuild. This is very, very different. So uh, I think that affects how you pursue the back end of your roster. You're more willing to go get a grad transfer, go get a JUCO, um, because, you know, if you're if, if you're going to compete at this level and you're going to be good, you want to sustain that. And so instead of taking a chance on letting a kid develop and maybe helping you, you know, in the back end of the rotation, no, go get a grad guy that can come in and, and absolutely help you and win some basketball games. So it's going to be a, a really busy spring for them um, after a good fall. It should be noted. Carmen Davis has only done the grad transfer route one time. Now it worked because it was Nick King, but he's only done it one time. KJ Buffin, Blake Henson stand as examples as to why. Both of those guys were spring signees. Blake Henson, like potentially Jamin Brakefield, reclassified. He was a 2019 prospect. He became a 2018 prospect, was coveted by everybody, signs with Ole Miss, and you see the impact that that had. The greatest recruiting job he did was on the three returnees, Devontae Shuler, Terrence Davis, and Brian Tyree. Those are Andy Kennedy guys. He deserves to, the credit for developing those guys and making them what they are to where the rebuild or non-rebuild was expedited. But the reason why Ole Miss is good right now is because of a reclassified spring signee and a player in K.J. Buffin who was recruited as a program player that Kermit Davis will always sign. And they got him over not a ton of offers. I think Georgia offered, but outside of that, it was Middle Tennessee and a bunch of teams that whatever. So those two guys, without them, they aren't where they are. And it shows why, yeah, you might want them to add a grad transfer here or there, he wants program guys that fits exactly what he's looking for. So you're talking about Jamin Brakefield, Kadeem Sai. Keep right. those names first. Don't don't get too focused on the grad transfer route because that's not really what his modus it's operandi is. I yeah. think if you are looking at next year, you know, let's say in this hypothetical, obviously Terrence graduates. Or Franco isn't healthy um, and they need a point guard that can play. Right. You know, you lose Terrence. Um, you lose Dom, you know, potentially let's say let's say in this hypothetical, you know, Dom decides to go overseas and, and go ahead and play pro ball. You lose Dom, you lose Bruce, you lose Terrence. Um, you know, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of veteran minutes right there. So that would be the scenario where you go get a grad. Um, you, you don't need three, you just need one. Someone that's played big minutes before in a, in a power five league or whatever, or you know, in a smaller league as a league guy. 
Um, that's the scenario where you go get a grad, you know, someone to come in, fill that role, whether it's a scoring role on the wing. See, or I don't, I don't think or, so. See, I, I think it, I think absolutely you're going to be really young next year. Yeah, but really Bryce young. Williams is recruited to play. He's effectively sure. the re- TD replacement. Sure. Um, Sammy Hunter, they they think he's a top 100 player. He would be if he not been a bohemian who's playing in Canada that no one really knew about until I think him. for me would be you. So let's say they don't get Kadeem Sai. Let's say he goes to LSU or, or somewhere else like that. You know, Which is a very realistic possibility, right? Exactly. Your guys down low are going to be you know a couple sophomores and Blake Henson and KJ Buffin. Sammy Hunter's a freshman. Duke Collins a freshman. You're really, really young down low, and that's really good. You want to you, you want to find minutes for those guys and play them, but that would be the scenario I think where you go find the grad guy just to give you some experience down there to balance out because you're going to have a really young roster. Unless it's have, Kadeem Sai and Jamin Breakfield, then whatever. Oh, sure, yeah, then yeah. that you know, well at that point yeah. you you filled your roster spots with super quality guys, and you, at that point you don't really care how young your team is because Jamin Breakfield's really good. You know whether he's a freshman or a senior, it doesn't really matter. He's really good. Um, so I think it's, you know, you're going to have Brienne, you're going to have Devante um, as your two veteran guys next year, um, but you're going to have a young roster. So I, I think it's going to going to be an interesting kind of deal how they balance out, um, you know, having the veteran guys, then having a bunch of young guys. It's, um, you know, kind of had be, you know, two ends of the spectrum. There's not really much in the middle. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. That's where you'll find not only Talk of Champions, but the Rebelio Hotline and that feed from SoundCloud feeds to iTunes. But you want to go check out iTunes, just simply search Talk of Champions. This podcast, Rebelio Hotline, both there. And we're also available in the Oma Spirit, omaspirit.com. It's an affiliate of 247 Sports. The podcast also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. It's 2019, the new year. It's here. And what better way to start off the new year than with a new car, truck, or Jeep? They're loaded up with Jeep Wranglers, Grand Cherokees, and Cherokees all priced to move right now. So make sure you're taking advantage of this unique opportunity with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. But simply buying a new car is not the only service that Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram provides. If you're having some car trouble, if you need some advice, go visit them. Brian, Mason, ask for them. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you, and they're going to make sure that you're taken care of. Addressing each of your needs with the utmost respect care and attention to detail you can give them a call at 662-234-8000 that's 662-234-8000 or stop by and see them in person at 2201 east university avenue that's just past kroger alan samuels let's be friends 31 days away until opening day for old miss baseball came in at number 10 according to d1baseball.com quite frankly this team on paper is every bit as good as last year has the potential to be better real quickly before we get to jacob peeler your thoughts on old miss baseball I thought that was about right. I think there are enough question marks about the pitching staff um, in terms of proven production, or proven just roles. Role, just roles. Yeah, yeah, it's more roles, you know, just, you know, having the, you want to see it. Um, but I think the offense, obviously, a lot of respect with the position players and the offense, um, I, I think tends about right. And I think that, you know, they're very much a team that should um, compete in the SEC again, host a regional, and, you know, obviously should advance between that, uh, beyond that. So, um, you know, it's going to be a weird season because I think people are just going to kind of tune it out a lot until they get to the postseason. But um, you're you're missing out because it's going to be a really really good team, really fun team. I think they're going to do big things. I'm pretty optimistic about it. I'll be honest, I'm more optimistic about this team making it to Omaha than I was last year's team before the season started. Now, as the season came on, 
Like, golly, man. I mean, this team has to make it to Omaha, right? And yet we saw what happened in the Oxford Regional, losing to Tennessee Tech after starting that Regional 2-0. and Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss on paper in the preseason in a better position than even last year, in my opinion, to be an Omaha team. But like we said, we've said countless times before, I mean, that doesn't mean much of anything once the season starts. Ole Miss has to go out there and put it on paper and put it on the field and win. 48 wins, though, last year, and yet – I feel more optimistic about this team's potential. You're right, though. The roles, the role definition for the pitchers is going to be interesting. Will Etheridge is going to be the Friday night starter. I think that goes without saying, but how it falls afterwards will be interesting. For example. And you still want to see him do it. Yeah, you, you want to see you him know, do I, it. We think we, I think we're both pretty high on his abilities yeah, and what he can yeah. be, but it's still, you know, one of those things – I want you to go out there and, and show me. You know, want to go out there and, and prove it. But he's a junior oh. that's just been waiting for that, though. You know, I, I think that's... Oh, the stuff is absolutely there. I, yeah. I don't have any worries about yeah. that. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to get that gig and, and be pretty good at it. I think it's, you know, how they mix and match Saturday, Sunday, and their bullpen rolls is going to be pretty fascinating, and that's going to determine how good they can be. Um, you know, you got the good offense. You got the good defense. Um, you know, how you piece together that pitching staff and, and kind of get everybody in the right roles that's going to be you know what kind of makes the makes or break that team it makes way too much sense to start your rotation will Etheridge and then Houston Roth on Saturday leave Gunnar Hogland in the bullpen to keep that as the strength of your team hope that Doug Nikhazy a true freshman continues to progress and have just as good of uh, a winter practice as he did in the fall I, I I think they're fine you know the question for me really is who starts on Sunday because Ryan Rollison followed the path that so many highly accomplished, highly ranked pitchers that were signed followed under Mike Bianco, started in the bullpen. Does Gunnar Hogland start in the bullpen, or is he that Sunday guy from jump? I'm fascinated to watch that. But we'll talk a lot more Ole Miss baseball as we get closer to time. Right now it's all about Ole Miss basketball, but also Ole Miss football. Ole Miss, obviously, as you know at this point, hired two new coordinators, Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre. Jacob Peeler is one of the holdovers on the staff. No one ever complains about Jacob Peeler. Why? Because his wide receivers always produce. But there are question marks. Spring practice isn't that all that far away. I think it's coming up in April. Now that A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Demarcus Lodge are all gone, what's next for his, quote, NWO? Going now to the Chinese Pharmacy phone line to speak to one Jacob Peeler, Ole Miss wide receivers coach, on the road doing some recruiting. I know you can't talk about it, Jacob, but it's got to be a busy time for you, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, definitely busy, but exciting. Uh, looking forward to finishing out this this class. I think uh, I think we're all kind of ready to uh, you know kind of see how this deal finishes up. But uh, all good and and you know good on the road right now. What is the normal day for you right now for any college coach out there on the road? Is it three in the morning till uh, late late at night? What's it like when you're making recruiting visits this time of the year? Yeah, you know, it's it's always fluid. It's always changing. Um, you know, we're, some mornings you, you, you're at the airport. If you're flying out, you, you're going to try to catch the earliest flight out uh, just so you can you can hit the ground running. And late nights, because you're usually doing in-home visits, and, uh, you know, so you're, you're, you, you don't know when you're coming and going. Sometimes you, you, you don't know the time zone you're in. You just kind of just look at your watch or your phone and just, just go pretty much. But, again, I, you know, it's, it's part of part of the job and it's exciting because you get to uh, kind of build your class and finish it up. And, and uh, you know, again, you got time to sleep a little bit after signing day, but not a whole lot of sleep uh, at this time anyway. It's an important class for your group. You lost some wide receivers, AJ, DK, DeMarcus Lodge, just to name a few. 
you've signed some that you can talk about, Dennis Jackson being one of them, of course, a highly ranked kid. Uh, for your group itself, what, how important was it to get high quality and, and guys that could step in and play right now? And how do you feel about the Hall so far? And just overall, with that group heading into spring, what, what do you think about the wide receivers? Yeah, you know, obviously um, you're always in the back of your mind or, you know, you're always trying to prepare for the next the next wave or the next class. And we knew uh, we knew going into this season that there would be a great opportunity for uh, for AJ and DK if, if they took care of their business the way we thought they could to, to leave early. And so we, we have been kind of planning, you know, all along to be able to uh, – you know, to get guys in place and be able to find guys that fit what we're looking for in terms of skill set and, uh, you know, just as people too, because you want to make sure that they fit, you know, the personalities as well as the, uh, the skill set that you're looking for. And so obviously we're able to fit, you know, find and and find some guys that fit that that criteria. Obviously we're able to go get a uh, junior college doll American who, uh, honestly, just just performed. You know, went to went to the state championship game and and really played well. I think he went for over 100 yards and two touchdowns and just performed all season and, and you know continue to impress me and continue to impress our staff as as he performed all season. And obviously, Dennis Jackson is an electric kid that you know anytime he gets the ball in his hands, it's it's hold your breath or he's gonna make something happen and. Again, I thought that was a great gift for us. I think he'll fit really well into the slot position, you know, behind Elijah Moore and kind of fit that mold and, and do some things that, that Elijah did this year. And as they continue to grow and get stronger, I think that'll be something exciting to see. And, you know, Jordan Jernigan as well, a guy that, you know, maybe didn't get the, the, the stats or accolades as some of the other guys because of the offensive system he played in, but, you know, came to camp. Uh, a couple different times, ran extremely well. I mean, very fast, could take the top off. Think his best football is ahead of him. And and then again, you know, the last one that we got at mid-year, Jaden Jackson, a uh, state champion, 100 meter uh, kid who who again has ability to to take the top off. Phenomenal ball skills, really, really high character, high high IQ. Just just loves football, and so. Again, really excited about about those guys, and, and you know, obviously to add on to the to the young guys that we got coming back. So again, going to be young, but we're going to be talented. Um, so again, just gotta just gotta push those guys, get really you know introduced to to Coach Rich Rod's system, and so we'll be going through it together. But looking forward to it again. You know, that we got some really good kids on top of them being talented. So excited about the future for sure. I know you don't recruit necessarily with scheme in mind, um, but there was no secret out there that Phil Longo could be pursuing other opportunities, could get one. Is there anything to recruiting guys that aren't built specifically for system that can really transcend anything? Because at the end of the day, football is football, right? I mean, there's no particular criteria when you as a position coach is going out there trying to find wide receivers that fit maybe this offense or that offense. I mean, you're looking for guys that just are good football players, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it always somebody told me years and years ago there's two type of coaches. Coaches are going to get hired and coaches are going to get fired. So I mean, that that goes with every position, you know, whether you're a coordinator or a position coach. So I, I try to 
I tried to recruit to, uh, you know, just skill set alone, you know, whether, whether, whatever offense we're running, um, you know, just try to find guys that, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's a ability to run, whether it's ball skills, whether it's, you know, just having the strength to make that one-on-one, you know, 50-50 catch, you, you want to, you want to build it where they're not all cookie cutter copies of each other. At least that's the way I like it is everybody's got their, their own unique skill set. They all can do something uniquely different, whether it was, again, just using, for instance, the guys that we just lost, you know, AJ was more of your strong physical type of receiver that was going to make the catch and make the, the you know, shrug, shrug off the defender and possibly take it to the house. And DK was going to make the big boy catch and, and DeMarcus was going to take the top off. You know, they're all different, uniquely different in their skill sets. And that's that's the way I kind of like it. I mean, at different parts of the field or different skill sets, they're, they're able to bring something different. So I do think that, you know, they all fit, you know, what we're going to be doing. Um, regardless whose system it is, I think they all kind of will be able to be chameleons and, and adjust to whatever system that, that we're going to run. But, Again, I think the biggest thing is is they're good kids and they love football, and that's the one thing you know you want to make sure is is they're kids that at the end of the day they love the sport. It's not about the Twitter or the recruiting that they love, but it's actually football. And I think we were able to find guys that fit that for sure. Well, you know who the coordinator is? It's Rich Rodriguez. Everyone, I think, at this point understands his scheme and his style out there. He's one of the originators of the spread it out, spread systems with heavy run concepts. What have the conversations been like uh, between you guys, and what do you think of the fit and the hire in general? Yeah, obviously, I think it was a home run hire uh, for for all of us. Um, obviously, had a lot of uh, a lot of run ins you know, in our time on the West Coast. Um, you know, when I was at Cal and obviously he was at Arizona, went against him, you know, two times while we were out there. And I think what he's done is, is you go look, kind of look through his careers. He's always been able to make his offense fit, you know, the quarterback and the skill set of, of the offense. And, you know, he had, obviously, everybody remembers the Pat White, West Virginia days. And, you know, whether it was, you know, Khalil Tate or Honor Solomon, who he had at Arizona, you know, he almost – he was always able to adjust according to the skill set of the players that that was kind of his trigger man. So excited to see the mesh uh, of him and, and you know the, obviously the the players that we have currently on our roster and and I think that you know in this league in the SEC you, you you're going to have to you know finish in the red zone and finish on third downs and short and and I think he does some things that'll really help us in that area whether it's you know getting in twelve personnel or whether it's using the quarterback as, as an 11th player. Sometimes, you know, you want to be able to take advantage of that. And, and so I think, you know, things that Ole Miss has historically done well with, with, you know, throwing the ball, but also build that onto what he has been able to do really well with his, his quarterbacks and, and that area as well. So, I, again, I think could be more excited uh, for the direction that we're headed in and obviously – looking forward to us, you know, getting, getting in the meeting rooms and being able to install and really learn the ins and outs. We've had a little bit of time to be able to do it, but haven't had a time to just dive in, dive in it uh, yet. So we'll be able to do that obviously after this uh, February sign of day. For a guy in your position, 
what's the coaching situation like when there's a change? Because we kind of know what it is with a player, right? We we know how they what they go through in the meetings and uh, the install in the spring and stuff. It's not quite like the player, right? But I'm I'm assuming that uh, there is some transition, though. Yeah, I mean, always. I mean, I'll give you my example, you know, a little bit. I, I guess myself, this is my fourth offense coordinator, and I guess five seasons um I, I went from a transition oh. from tony franklin to jake spavital to phil longo to now rich rodriguez so it, it's you know, you know you're always trying to you're always trying to grow as a, as a coach you always want to learn and, and obviously um you know this business with the way it's become it's so it's just so much you know change and things that's going on uh nowadays with with coaching and, and the hires and things of that nature. But it's an exciting time for me. It's an exciting time for any coach to be able to learn and grow and, and learn somebody else's, whether it's their terminology or, or their belief system with what with the system that they run. But I've been very fortunate in my career um, to be sound, surrounded by really good offensive coordinators as the ones that I just mentioned. So all of those guys have been you know successful in their own right and done things really well. And, Really looking forward to just learning, you know, Coach Coach Rodriguez is, is you know, what he does and how, how he performs it and how he does it uh, because he's obviously been very successful wherever he's been. And I'm looking forward to it, you know, again, you're going against him two times out on the Pac-12 out there on the West Coast, getting uh, getting to be on the other side of it and see how he teaches, teaches everything and gets it across to the players. So, again, that's just a, a – an exciting time for any position coach to kind of learn something new. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. Going into the spring, if I said, okay, Jacob, give me the top three guys going in the spring. I'm forcing you to pick three starters right now. I'm, I know Elijah Moore's in there. Who are the other two? Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh, Braylon Sanders, looking forward to him. You know, again, uh, kind of hit a little bit of an injury bug last year, kind of tossed and got, got hurt, got a little bit banged up, with, but, you know, really has done a tremendous job in, in a, uh, at, you know, kind of a role player behind those three could be a slot guy, could be an outside guy. I think he's probably the most versatile that we have right now. And, uh, you know, again, really interested to see, you know, Miles Battle after a full uh, off season. He's 200, probably five pounds right now, came in at like 187, has really kind of grown into his body. And that redshirt rule has helped us tremendously because it allowed him to get some in-game experiences and get those experiences. So at least, you know, he's had those 
those opportunities. But again, I mean, you got a junior college All American that that's going to come in with some championship experience, has played in one or two national championships at the junior college level, and so he'll be able to come in and learn the offense at the same level. And same thing. I know I'm not really answering your question the way you want it, but again, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's. It, it, you know, it's going to probably be, you know, uh, a lot of competition. It is going to be a lot of competition. It's probably going to be a little bit more by committee early until we're able to find out who truly takes that next step. Um, you know, again, Elijah Moore was a guy last year that that was never a freshman. I mean, the moment he walked in on campus, he was a football player, and and that's why we made the, the moves that we made, uh, moving A.J. outside and because he could handle, we knew mentally and physically he could handle it. And, and, you know, his first game as a starter, I think he had 11 catches for 120 something yards versus South Carolina and did a tremendous job. And he's just, he's, you know, a kid that, that just was ready early. And some guys, it takes a little bit longer. And, and I, we talked about it in the past, you know, me and you have getting off a of press, especially in the SEC conference is a whole different ball game than high school or any other level. So there's always a little bit of a learning curve that goes with that. And I think as, as those guys get stronger and, and get in the weight room and things of that nature, they'll really take that next step. I mean, as you saw, you know, a guy, DK Metcalf is a perfect example of that. I mean, before he got injured, I mean, the kid rarely got, rarely got jammed up ever at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he was almost dominant at the line of scrimmage where the year before, you know, he was a little bit, a little bit, uh, maybe not, uh, maybe not what you wanted in terms of verse press coverage. So just getting accustomed to the way I taught things and just getting in the weight room, getting stronger, I think, are two things that really led to to that development for him as well. So it, it'll be interesting to see how spring plays itself out. It, I mean, it'll be a battle all the way up to August 31st when we play Memphis, and it'll continue all the way through the Egg Bowl. I mean, it, every every practice every week is going to be a competition and it'll be fun to see who kind of rises to the top for sure. It feels like no matter what happens as far as the personnel and how it falls, Elijah Moore is a slot receiver. That one area where you're like, okay, we know that. Yeah. You know, he, he fits that, that really well. Um, and again, he's so twitchy that he could be an outside guy, but with his size, you know, he just fits perfectly what, what, most people would deem a slot and you see the NFL with whether it's the Patriots or whoever it is with what they're able to do with their slot receivers. I just think he fits that mold. And that's something that I'm comfortable with. He's comfortable with. And, and again, we're always put those guys in the best situation to be successful. But I do think that he was a guy that last year that just jumped right in two feet in and he was, he hit the ground running and, I do see him, you know, starting off spring ball. That's where he will start. Um, and I do think that that's somewhere that he's probably comfortable. And, and again, I think that's something that uh, we'll, we'll always, you know, evaluate. But I, I do feel comfortable saying day one, I would 100% see him, you know, starting in the slot, being the, the first team slot player for sure. Miles Battle. Um, what held him back from making a bigger impact last year? Was it just because other guys in front of him more than anything else? I know how excited you were and how much you loved that kid coming out and recruiting. Um, for him not to really get on the field all that much, was it anything he needed to work on or just there was a lot of good guys playing in front of him, experienced guys? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, when you got DK and you got Lodge, you know, those two guys were obviously NFL talented kids and so 
it, it, we didn't feel like, you know, coming in that, that we were going to just throw them to the fire quite as early as maybe we would have if we not, if we didn't have those two guys in front of them. And, you know, we, we had some conversations when uh, DK got hurt and we just thought at that point of the season, you know, wasn't many games left and we just wanted to utilize that red shirt rule and play him, which we did, but try to get, try to get through the season where we did, we were able to basically use him, use him as a, a role player, but not eat up uh, a season uh, for him. I thought that, you know, in the long run of his career and for Ole Miss in general, having him as a senior, you know, versus leave as a junior in terms of the four years versus five years, it would work out a lot better for, for everybody involved. But again, I think coming in, just getting off of press coverage, you know, coming in at 187 pounds versus now being a 205, maybe 210 guy going into next season, that just, it, it just adds more value to him in the longevity of his career. Um, you know, so nothing that he necessarily did bad by any means. It was just the guys in front of him were just who they were. I mean, they were NFL guys, and we felt like we had a really good third in Braylon Sanders and then uh, Alex Weber did a tremendous job last year as a role guy as well. Was able to get us, you know, five to ten snaps a game and just allowed us the luxury to use that redshirt rule. But I do see him being a guy that's going to continue to take that next step and and be somebody that's going to play a lot of football for us this season. All right, I'm an NFL GM. I'm sitting there and asking you to pitch me why I should draft AJ, DK, Demarcus Lodge. Jacob Peeler, give me the sales pitch for those three guys, three of the most accomplished players at that position to come through Ole Miss. Oh, man. The film doesn't lie. <laughs> I'll start there. I mean, DK Metcalf is by far one of the most – if he had stayed healthy, uh, I, I don't question that he would – and he still very well may be. Um, but he is a first-round talent, hands down. I mean – He's going to run a 4-4 every time you put a clock on him. I mean, you could wake him up at 5.30 in the morning and he'll be in his pajamas and he'll run a 4-4. And he's, he is an absolute freak. Uh, and, again, I think his best football is ahead of him. A.J. is probably the best receiver I've ever had in terms of after the catch. I just think he has a back to, to shrug off defenders and, and just make that hard catch across the middle. I, I think he uh, – he is an every-down slot receiver in the NFL. That Demarcus Lodge may be the best route runner of the three. I do think that he will run extremely well. I think that he'll you put you put him on the clock. He's gonna he's gonna light it up. And I think that uh, you know he will fit the NFL game very well, being an outside guy that has the ability to even move into the slot in, in certain circumstances. And you know. Put, put safeties in a bind as well as a slot player if they move them inside. But I know this, I, I, I was very fortunate, but at the end of the day, those three kids will be playing on Sunday. Um, and I have, I have no, uh, no uh, second guessing in my, you know, me saying that, I mean, they're, they're going to be playing, you know, football for a while, in my opinion. My favorite comp for AJ was from NFL draft analyst, Dane Brugler from the athletic when he said that's Juju Smith-Schuster. That's Juju Smith Houston. Oh yeah, and it immediately that's, clicked to my brain. Went, oh my God, yeah, that's 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 what AJ is. Yeah, he is. He uh, and I got to watch him obviously in our our Pac-12 days. He it, that's a that is a I didn't hear that. I hadn't heard that, but that is a good uh, 
a good reference point in terms of those two guys because they do, they both play physical and and I think AJ too coming off you know the hamstring injury he he suffered a, a hamstring second day of fall camp and I thought to be honest for him I thought it took a little while to get back in shape and because it, it it just kept lingering and lingering I thought that he was really playing his best football down the stretch you know and obviously making that transition back outside at the end of the year thought people questioned could he be an outside guy would he have the ability to separate and I thought I don't know I think he had three or four consecutive uh, 100 yard games you know first SEC opponents or you know close to it anyway and and I thought he played some really good football down the stretch and and kind of quiet you know some of the critics that may have asked could he do that on the outside at, at the SEC level so again as good as they are on the field, they're, they're, those kids are special. Uh, they're special to me, and they always go down, you know, at Ole Miss and, and, as some of the best to ever play the position. But they, they're just great kids, and I wish them nothing but the best. That was, you know, the best thing for those guys and, and 100% behind them. And I talk to all of them very regularly and, and looking forward to seeing how it all works out for them uh, come this spring with the draft and the combine and all that. Just do me a favor. If Jerry Jones calls you about A.J. Brown, you sell the hell out of that kid, okay? And I, I, Like A.J. with a star on his helmet, that, that would that would be good for me. That's all I need. I, I, I'm going to say I, I do think I've, I've heard, you know, whispers that you're a big Dallas fan. So yeah. uh, I know uh, – I'm sorry. I know it's probably not, not great for you right now. I, it's I, – I'm, I'm, when it comes to NFL stuff, I, I, I got – guys that I've coached that are all spread out throughout. Oh, yeah, throughout yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's hard for me to jump in, but I will say, you know, uh, as a Jared Goff fan, I, I was excited for him the other night to, you know, be able to go and take it to the next step. But but I understand. I know I know, uh, I know how it goes when you when you uh, live and die by a win and loss. So, trust me, I get it. You're not going to catch any, any grief from me or any, you know, or not grief, I guess, but not. I'm not going to talk bad about anything for sure. So I mean, I get, I AJ AJ Brown in the slots a little bit of an improvement. No, not to disparage Cole Beasley, but I mean, come on, come on, Juju, hey. the next Juju Smith Schuster. Okay, give me that. That's what hey, I mean. hey, I, I'm I'm excited to see where those three end up. Though I think it'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch. Uh, I'm excited because as a fan now myself of those three, so it'll be fun to see how they how they. Uh, how they end up doing and where they end up and how they're utilized. So, cause NFL games change. I mean, there's, there, you know, they're starting to get some, some spread principles and starting to use some of the, that stuff in the NFL. And so it'll be interesting to see how those three take on to all that. He's Jacob Peeler, Ole Miss wide receivers coach. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Good luck on the recruiting trail. And we'll talk soon. I right, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, Suite D103 in Oxford, Jackson Beer Company provides Oxford with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge in the northern Mississippi market. Open seven days a week. Stop by and see Alan Jackson and the gang Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 8 p.m., Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. until 9 p.m., and on Sundays from noon until 5. At Jackson Beer Company, we help you handcraft your next event, whether it's a wedding, Greek event, office party, fundraiser, or other special 
special event, we offer discounts when you purchase in bulk. At Jackson Beer Company, it is our vision to provide Oxford and Northern Mississippi with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge. We offer 10 different local and limited release beers on our growler station, so you will be able to enjoy draft beer at your home or at your next event. That's Jackson Beer Company, located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, just off the Ole Miss campus in Oxford. Stop by and see them or give them a call today at 662-638-3642. Jackson Beer Company is a proud supporter of Ole Miss Athletics. That was Ole Miss wide receivers coach Jacob Peeler. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip. Give me three keys before we get out of here for Ole Miss beating LSU. What's important? I mean, I think, you know, first things first, LSU is really, really good. Tremont Water is really good. But, you know, they do have a couple of weaknesses. Their big thing, um, they turn the ball over a good bit. You know, Tremont Waters is very good, very aggressive, but he's not – you know, they've had a couple games recently where it's 18, 19, 20 turnovers. So um, that's going to be pretty key for some turnovers, um, hit the offensive glass. You know, LSU's got a couple of really good big men. Nas Reed is going to play in the NBA. Um, pretty similar game to Simi Chateau from Vanderbilt a couple weeks ago. Um, so I think that's going to be it. You know, force some turnovers, hit the offensive glass. Um, and obviously take care of the ball. LSU's pretty aggressive defensively as well. So that would be it for me. The big thing for me, just do what you do. Play your game. You've done it for 15 games. You play your game, you're going to have a chance to win at the end. Ole Miss and LSU, kind of comparable teams, but I think Ole Miss is a little bit better. The end result for Ole Miss is always going to be the same so long as they stay healthy. They're always going to be competitive in every single game so long as they stay healthy. That's going to be a big thing to watch because when Brian Tyree went down and KJ got into two fou- got into foul trouble with two fouls, you saw what the problem is. You just saw it. Right, yeah. You know, at that point, you're like, oh, man, this has been really, really fun. Yeah, and they get down and 10. You, you kinda, like, yeah. It's not as dramatic as kind of like your season flashing before your eyes, but in a but way. But he left you, immediately. It yeah, and I think the worry the is, you know, in this league now, you know, you lose a guy for, you know, three weeks. I mean, you go two and four in that stretch at best, then you, you're behind the eight ball. So, um, health is so so key for them but like you said if they're healthy um, with the way that they compete the way that you know they've shown up every time pretty much um, competed hard played hard and if you do that you're going to win a lot of games in this league with how talented they are as well so um, I think that's a pretty good formula yeah we'll see what happens Ole Miss and LSU tip off Tuesday night at 8 p.m. on the SEC Network you can get full coverage after the game on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. That's an affiliate of 247 Sports. Subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And if you're looking to listen on SoundCloud, we're available there simply by searching Talk of Champions. You'll also find the Rebel Yo Hotline, which on Monday had Kermit Davis and Mike Bianco. So you want to hear more basketball, more baseball from the guys who matter most? Check out the Rebel Yo Hotline. It's available on the Talk of Champions SoundCloud page as well as on our iTunes page. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.